1: Season three, episode two, Limonada is over. But we are just getting started here on post Show Recaps. So hello, everybody. Mike Bloom here, feeling rather thirsty after this week's episode of Barry. Thirsty for lemonade, thirsty for someone to tell me they love me, perhaps thirsty for rolls, but thirsty to be talking about a very fun episode of Season Three of Barry. Of course, I'm not alone. I'm joined by someone who I would always put an exclamation point at the end of her name when I refer to her, Deidre Lipsicus. Deidre, how are you?
0: I'm doing great, Mike. Um, are you also thirsty for milk with dinner or beer poured over your naked chest? I would rather the former than
1: the latter, uh, though <laughs> the the former is a little odd. I don't know if it's as much of a non-starter as that poor young woman talked about on the home, uh, the walk home from her very disastrous date, but I will say ordering like a full glass of milk with dinner for a date is not a red flag, but maybe pinkish.
0: It's yeah, it's at least a yellow flag. It's not a good look. Um, As somebody who has been on the dating scene more recently than you have. um, Yeah, I don't know that it would be an immediate red flag, but it would definitely uh, sound the alarms for sure.
1: Yeah. What is it about? It's just that nobody really drinks like full glasses of milk in their adulthood.
0: Yeah. I mean, no, like self-respecting adult is, is, you know, drinking a glass of milk with their dinner, but also on a first date. Like, I feel like there is a little bit more self-governance for that type of environment. And also like a dinner date for a first date, not, not usually the greatest move for for several reasons but also yeah um if you're going to do a dinner date definitely don't order milk to go with your dinner unless you're eating like pancakes and bacon for dinner and if that's yeah then like okay acceptable but um still questionable
1: or if it's the opposite direction like a plate of chocolate chip cookies and like if you're going with either the alpha and the omega of the day the breakfast or the dessert don't go with the lunch or the dinner so Here we are to talk about Season 3, Episode 2 of Barry, Limonada. It is a slim one. Uh, It comes in at about 30 minutes, but suffice it to say, a lot happens in it. Deidre, what did you think of the episode?
0: I loved this episode. This episode had a lot of plot movement, which we love, but also had... So much absurdist humor that just really got me cracking up on the couch this morning. Um, I really loved the framing device that they used here. Um, but also, just uh, it just really hit for me.
1: Yeah, hit uh, much like the hit that Barry is trying to avoid. Uh, much like the hits that Barry might be producing. Maybe the hit that Sally might be producing with the show that she is getting you know, bumped up uh, in terms of her own sort of spiraling circumstances. I really enjoyed this episode. It felt incredibly different from the previous episode, right? We are yes. not seeing Fuchs at all. We assume he's still in, in Chechnya. Perhaps banging that that goat herd wife with the <laughs> cereal. We shall see if Serial Lady makes an appearance next week. <laughs> but what I found really interesting about this and maybe indicative of the Direction they might take the series in for this season, at least, is Barry is unhinged.
0: Oh yes, Barry is very unhinged. But before we dive too deep down into the wells of unhingedness, I have a weird galaxy brain take for you that I just that I just realized. Okay, Um, what if the guy that that random girl had dinner with, that ordered milk for dinner, was fuchs and he just really got a taste for goat's milk and that's what he ordered for dinner on this dinner date
1: oh that's interesting you know I did wonder what was the non sequitur Uh, I did think initially it was to just break up the sort of civility before the Bolivians had swarmed the plants talk about you know (laughs) exclamation points making a point there uh with the Chechens but could be uh, Gija, you talk about how they drop things in the writing that they want to follow up on later. Could be an indicator that Fuchs is not only back in the LA scene, but possibly back on the dating scene as yeah, well. And you he never just know. Can't, can't have a meal without his goat milk.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe he just got a real taste for that fresh from the tea goat milk and just can't do a meal without it now. Yeah, you could probably get that from
1: LA too, right? Like they are very farm to table locally sourced go green or go home and so i could imagine that if there is any place in the world where you could say give me goat milk freshly squeezed from that utter baby i think you would be uh utterly out of luck were you not in la
0: yeah um what was the show that i was watching recently where there was a scene where somebody had to go in LA to get a goat milk latte oh that was was that in the after party see this is everything is just tying together goats are truly just way too relevant oh
1: yeah 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 uh I think it was because I just finished the after party I'm pretty sure it was one of the other Tiffany Haddish's character uh got like the directions to go to the coffee shop
0: Mm-hmm. For Dan from Veep, he gets a goat milk latte. So maybe it really is just a thing that is everywhere in Los Angeles. Goat I don't know. L- uh,
1: uh, you know, Californians, uh, L- LA residents. I don't know exactly what term it, Los Angeles. <laughs> Ange- Angelinos. Uh, Angelinos? Yeah, I think it's Angelinos. Yeah. I'll say Angelorinos. Angelinos. <laughs> Sign off. How much goat milk do you imbibe in your regular life? We yes, want to know. Rate
0: us. Tell us how much. Goat milk is how much
1: goat milk life? makes up your body construction at this point <laughs> is the question what we percentage to goat
0: milk are you dear listeners
1: exactly hopefully a little bit more than two percent we are definitely more than two percent <laughs> off track here uh barry is much like this conversation completely unhinged and i think the previous two seasons it was about like Keeping up the facade, and I think certainly there's a little bit here where now we get a bit of the follow-up of this is the grand master plan that Barry had of, okay, this is how I'm going to be able to keep everything together and not have to kill Mr. Cousineau. But when we see Barry at the end of this episode, it is not the Barry we have ever seen before. Maybe the closest that comes to it is him shooting up the monastery where he was almost just like seeing red and just like seeing a completely new side of himself but that was more angry Barry this was more like cold malevolent Barry I mean specifically that close up right of like the do you love me say you love me
0: say it again
1: Yeah. yeah that anger showed I think earlier with Sally which we'll certainly talk about but oh yes it's really an indication of how this is maybe the real Barry Berkman. And while Gene and Sally and everyone told him to uncage this beast for his acting purposes last season, uh, it was probably not the wisest decision for his psychology because now that beast does not want to get back into the cage.
0: Yeah. That beast is running wild through Los Angeles and making really terrible decisions. I feel like, Throughout the first, you know, uh, seventeen episodes of Barry, perhaps um, we saw him being, you know, very clinical, tying up loose ends, um, you know, really taking concern to be careful. And mm-hmm. this version of Barry is the opposite of careful. He's sitting in a uh, in his car, waiting at the gate for Allison Jones um just like yelling at the back of an empty car um you know he's in the parking lot of the burger joint like full on handing burgers to a man in his trunk like this is this is the beginning of the end i think like i mean i, I it's wild to think that we i mean this is like final season stuff. Like, I don't know. Like, it feels like beginning of the end, but like to know that we have almost two full seasons ahead of us, at least, it's kind of terrifying. Like, where could this go if it seems to be coming to a head for Barry now? Right, though he would say it's not coming to a head whatsoever.
1: He'll still say we're at the tail end. Though, to your point, when he was handling things in the past, it was done with much more precision and much more quietly, I would say, overall. Barry was a much more just like, demure understated personality to your point he was not the one you know maybe when he blew up at fuchs on the golf course in season one that's the closest thing to him full-on yelling at a man that the security guard just doesn't see in the back seat but part of the fun absurdism about the show is that i would imagine the security guards like oh you're one of those actor types trying to just get into the mode right like go ahead get on through that like barry is somehow able to slither through because of either the circumstances he's in or just pure luck and coincidence due to a bunch of other plot points we've seen before.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think for that particular circumstance, like yeah, somebody could just see him as a as a you know a, a psychotic person. but um I mean literally in a public place with an like with an open trunk with a man inside, like the woman in the burger joint did not see him but there's no way that no one else did
1: yeah but who knows with the cops in this place like knowing what happened to the guy last time there, th- if any cop finds out, they're just going to either find a way to use Barry or like, they're going to, I don't know, slip on their own pee in the bathroom and break their neck. And then it's like, Oh, well that's fine. Now we're going to move on again. So mm-hmm. I do love just that. blame it all on the Chechens as, as the cops always do. That's the comedic aspect of it, right? Is this idea of, well, he's not going to get out of it, but he definitely gets out of it, which I think differentiates it from a breaking bad, which is much more like, serious not to say that this isn't serious because again that final scene was legitimately scary in my opinion and couple that with the things that barry has been seeing that like i i would not be surprised if he like checks himself into an institution at some point
0: yeah um I mean, for Barry's own well-being, I, I hope that for him. But yeah, I mean, this was definitely like a, a I am the one who knocks moment for Barry, for sure. I mean, this is like truly terrifying stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, to go with another Breaking Bad example, it reminds me of when uh, Gus Fring, like in that Crawl Space episode, gets face-to-face with Walter, right? And it's like, if you do this, like, I will kill your wife, I will kill your son, I will kill your infant daughter. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what Barry's doing, right? He is the one who Literally, knocked yeah. on Gene's door uh, and was mm-hmm. like, let me sit down and threaten your grandchild while he's sitting right next to you. It is incredibly scary, and we know that he's capable of it. Uh, let's stay focused on Barry right now because we do find out what Barry's big plan was. And his big plan was, Mr. Cousineau, you're not going to turn me into the police if I can get a part for you. So just even before we get just into the any part, too. Yeah. Just any part. Yeah. So even before we get into the execution of that, like, what was your thought? Certainly something that we didn't expect given our comments on last week. But like, what did you think about this very harebrained plan from Barry?
0: I was expecting a little bit more harebrainedness, I think. I was not expecting him to even remotely think that this would be good enough. Um, I mean, Gene is literally begging for his life and for him to not kill Gene he just has to get him any part. Like, for him to think that that's enough for Gene is is unhinged. I mean, like, in no way is a bit part, like, going to be enough. I mean, even if, like, his plan really is to get him, a, a you know a role on Joplin like there's you know it's it's obviously not part of the main plot for that show so it would be a bit part anyway slightly bigger potentially than what he ends up getting which is an like an extra with no lines um i mean it's just it's it's just unfathomable to think that this makes sense in Barry's brain yeah i think it's that he's approaching things
1: fairly single minded right now right of okay gene is an acting teacher he wants to act so if he acts then he'll be happy and he'll forget about the fact that i killed his girlfriend which is preposterous to think about even just saying it sounds ridiculous but i think barry is so focused on again maintaining this facade keeping all the balls in the air that like He's going to try to do all these stunts to save the balls that might be falling, even if it's at his own personal risk or just, like, might sound completely ridiculous. And it is, and it does, though I do wonder also how much his final maneuver of, like, also threatening Gene's family was in that as well, right? Like, was it always about, let's get him apart, or was it, okay, we'll sort of go along with Gene's plan, I'll quote-unquote let him go, But to make sure he doesn't say anything, that he lives up to his promise, I'll threaten his family.
0: Yeah, I don't really know that that was part of the original plan. I mean, it definitely doesn't seem like it was at least top of mind. I mean, you would think that Barry would have at least mentioned it to Gene potentially before, you know going through all the rigmarole with going to auditions and taking him out to an oil field to run lines for this audition. Like, I would think that, you know, instead of saying like, oh, I have a harebrained plan. This just might work. Like, if it was part of the original plan that he threatens Jean's family, then that would have been a good time to bring that up. I think this was really just a Barry, the kind of last ditch effort to save the situation when Jean makes a break for it. Yeah, he is able to escape. And I will say again, something that's so great about the show is
1: the, the needle it threads with the absurdism. I love the image of Barry, Getting food for the man who is in his trunk, and just the the background image of Barry picking up food, and just like very casually opening up the trunk to the fully grown man who he has kidnapped and giving it to him, and then shutting the door. It is ridiculous.
0: It's absolutely wild. I could not believe. I mean, that that was happening, and that that was happening like in a blurry background. Mm -hmm. The fact that they then took that and like wove that kind of thread as a framing device through the whole episode was just so good. It reminds me a lot about that one season of um, what was that Aziz Ansari show called? Master of None. Master of None. Yes. The second season had one episode that kind of like um, followed a lot of like random background people mm-hmm. that ended up sort of weaving together in the end. And like that, it, this episode of Barry reminded me a lot of that. Um, I just think, you know, Bill Hader is doing really interesting things with the show, but also like it's just the way wit- the the things that he chooses to put in the foreground for this are absolutely hilarious. This burger situation was only the tip of the iceberg. Like yeah. I cannot wait to get into all the all the random shenanigans that are happening in the foreground while all the other random shenanigans are happening in the background.
1: Yeah, not even the Alec Berg or the Iceberg. Uh, yes. Well, I want to put the sort of like Barry, Sally stuff aside for a second because I think that is an entire scene in and of itself to talk about. And I want to continue on with Barry and Jean here because I love everything going on with the Allison Jones stuff. First off, kudos to Allison Jones. Like not an yes. actress, but able to play herself very well, able to play it very demurely. And I LOL'd when she talked about how the whole swimming structures thing how it went with two short guys so of course it's not going to be funny
0: oh my god yeah i mean she's she's doing very great work as herself um i don't know that i've ever seen her act in anything before but it definitely feels like something that she is comfortable with um but yeah her her scene with barry um just so funny i mean the the poster the very poorly photoshopped yep. poster also with adam Devine and josh gad as swim instructors was just uh omitted ab- a belly be- big big old belly laugh for that one um as big as the photoshop belly on josh gad
1: i know poor um, josh gad i feel like he has unfortunately been he's been a little bit of like a bad luck chuck i think when it comes to hollywood projects uh adam divine less so i also feel like adam divine would have like I don't know. Was swimming instructor supposed to be about like high school? Because I feel like Adam Devine just has that youthful look about him that I can't not see him as someone in his twenties.
0: Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen a recent photo of him, but now that they do all the uh, the Irishman stuff for everybody, like they can mm. just cast eighty year old men as twenty year olds and and yada yada it away. So yeah, they could kind of just found like a, a d- future. Yeah, maybe this is the future of Hollywood. Is just. No, anybody can play any age well we did get the follow-up to swim instructors though because like we said like they weren't so
1: totally taken aback by barry giving a very intense read and then leaving the audition because you know he had heard that fuchs wanted to kill Kusano. they and... tried
0: to cast him
1: yeah and he but he, he you know went off the grid after everything that happened in season two uh so he wasn't going to get back on but i love the naivete right, of Barry being like, oh, are you still casting that six months later, by the way? (laughs) Like, hey, uh, I'm just gonna call you back. I know you called me 40 times, but now I'm finally returning. It just shows that, again, Barry backing ass backwards into a lot of this stuff. Still doesn't remember Jay Roach's name upon first mention, Uh, but he does get given another part, so like, For whatever he's doing, it works. As Alison Jones says, he has this sort of "I'm not there" Joaquin Phoenix quality to him.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty wild. I mean, we definitely kind of called it that Barry might uh, walk ass backwards into some some roles, and I just can't wait to see how he then turns this um, this like law. Uh, show role into whatever he's then going to continue to walk ass backwards into.
1: Exactly, it's just ass backwards into ass backwards seems to be the 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 onus of the Barry plot. So, I love as well as. Like Gene is so literally, is in the back seat uh, or in the trunk, as it in were. the trunk, the very even, back. Yeah, not even driving the scene around. But even he is a little incredulous when he comes out and, and he says, "So you went in there to get me apart, and you got apart." Uh, mm-hmm. Just this idea of like, wait a minute. And we actually, it's a really interesting episode in that we got a glimpse into Gene's sort of reputation around town when we see one of those cold opens in season one, when he goes in for an audition as like one of those one line extras, Mm -hmm. but we find out even more, maybe one of the reasons why he's there in the first place is because like, he has sullied his reputation around town for just acting like a complete ass and a nincompoop
0: yeah a total nincompoop um you know everybody that barry mentions his name to you know says how much of an asshole that gene is and how nobody ever wants to work with him but um i mean he brought a loaded gun to an audition for full house yeah what was that situation i can't remember danny tanner ever needing to be packing it no. And like, was it the rip torn gun? Like, I need to know more. But also, when he didn't get cast in family ties, he called Allison Jones, quote unquote, a donkey witch, <laughs> which is a pretty fun insult. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good one. <laughs> I plan on using that in my repertoire nowadays.
1: The patrons of Posha Recaps get to experience uh, my writing of a brain steal. And I've had to. Get to write for characters on the likes of Logan Roy and Jamie Tart, both of whom have certainly a gift for gab when it comes to insults. And I think Donkey Witch is something in line with them, of something that someone would say, in that it's not completely profane, but it's still an odd image.
0: Yeah. It also, while not being at all profane, feels really mean. <laughs> like, <laughs> now almost feels worse than if. Uh, he had called Alison Jones a effing witch or an effing, you know, B word. But um, yeah, donkey witch, I don't know. This is just one of my new favorites. The question is, in your opinion, is it a donkey who
1: happens to be a witch or (laughs) a witch who perhaps due to like a magical malady (laughs) is now looks like a donkey?
0: Well, that's a great question of um, metaphysical, philosophy of like, a donkey witch, is it a donkey who is a witch? Or is it a witch who is a donkey? And is that at all different from each other? Um, I don't know that I'm philosophically prepared to answer that question, Mike,
1: I do feel like it's different, though, because one is someone who has
0: grown up as a witch. And then just have okay, so to it's have a, a witch that turned into a donkey versus a donkey who then gains witchy expertise. right. Who gains the ability to train in the magical dark arts. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm gonna the one that I like prefer more the imagery of is a donkey who then learns uh, the witchy ways. I um, agree. I love baby donkeys and I love witchy stuff as it pertains to like people like Stevie Nicks and astrology. So I'm going to go with that one.
1: I like that as well. Cause that doesn't imply some sort of like curse. It's just that a donkey worked really hard. Yes, donkey, donkey worked
0: really hard. The donkey had a witch. dream
1: and the donkey's dreams <laughs> yes. came true. I love it. (laughs) So Barry goes into audition for this. And it seems like, I forget, I didn't catch the name of it. uh, But I'm assuming we'll see more of it. It seems to be one of your generic- Laws
0: of humanity?
1: Yeah. I mean, it sounds very badly written, right? The scene that we saw that Barry do, they say like, we're the law firm that makes the good things happen. Uh, So clearly this is something that you find at like 10 o'clock on ABC. Just like to fill the time slot- Oh, this but, feels
0: like a USA Network type show to me.
1: Very good call. Characters are certainly welcome there. And Barry <laughs> yes. is a character. Uh, yeah, because he's playing what? He's playing one of these like stuff suits, environmental guys who's uh, sort of the main antagonist of one of these episodes.
0: Sure. Um, It didn't seem like a regular role, but no. knowing Barry, he's going to turn this into something.
1: So Barry ends up going quite literally off script when after the audition, like, It goes fine, and he talks about the desperation of his job and throws the Kuzino offer on there, and this was a little cringe for me at first. I was like, uh But then Barry starts to launch into a monologue, and at first you think he is speaking from the heart, but no, no, he is essentially copying and pasting what Gene told him to his face while they were rehearsing out there on the Oil Derrick.
0: Yeah, and um a piece of feedback our 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 good friend Nojo Jank wrote in about how Barry seemed potentially a little distracted when um when Gene was, you know, giving this speech in the first place down in the oil fields. Um because Gene mentions that Barry got out of the army, Barry as we know uh, was a marine. Mm-hmm. So, um potentially Barry looked like he may not have been paying very much attention, but then he, you know, as we learn, was definitely paying attention to this as he repeats this speech verbatim, which is very weird. Um, I don't know about you. I can, like, barely remember things that I say 15 seconds later, let alone things that other people say to me. Um, I, I This is, like, a very specific level of weirdness about Him repeating this speech. I mean,
1: listen, I don't want to like throw words around, but it's borderline sociopathic to be like, Gene was, at least in the moment, I know it's a little bit of pitching, but like he is genuinely trying to emotionally appeal to Barry in that moment to save his life. Yeah. And Barry cribs those and turns it into what essentially is a monologue. Like Mm -hmm. you realize that it's all tactical. It might be emotional that he does, is desperate to have Gene get this job because it's going to save his life. But I think the Barry that we see with Sally is much more how he feels about the matter than the Barry here, uh, where the undertone isn't like, I need this for my life. It's more so like, please make this happen. You don't realize the impact he has had on me. It works. Uh, what does Barry say that that uh, what he told him, like it's uh, rad and
0: cool? Uh, oh, yeah, I have this um, written down. That is effing clean and rad and beautiful, bro.
1: Yeah. So I wonder, could it be a situation like what happened with the very first episode with Kusino, where they think it's a monologue and they're like, oh, that's so great. Great. Come on, bring him in. Or actually, this is the opposite. Where before he came clean, he was very honest with Kusuno in that moment, and Kusuno thought he was doing a monologue. Here, he's doing a monologue, but Allison Jones people think that he's actually being himself.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting dynamic. Um I mean, also to be frank, like this is a no speaking lines featured extra. So maybe they also were just like, okay, fine.
1: Well, Gene is able to make his escape here. And again, I love the acknowledgement of these roles that Gene would play, right? These day player characters in the form of this poor couple who seems to be really going through it in this dog friendly household as Gene is sought upon by 30 dogs as he counts, as he makes his calamitous escape from Barry's trunk. And just when he thinks he's escapes, of course, Barry is able to somehow miraculously find him on the side of the road.
0: Oh yeah. This was fan effing tastic. <laughs> so, right. So Barry, while he's in this audition, leaves Jean in the trunk of his car, right? Which is obviously mm-hmm. a great decision. We don't in movies know at all about these Quick safety releases about how to get out of trunks. Um, Barry has not been thinking very clearly. Clearly, mm-hmm. um, you know, Gene gets out, um, and he's just hopping over fences, similar to Lily, but not uh, as gracefully as um, our karate kid queen. Um, yeah, he just like runs through this yard with so many dogs. I mean, this had to just absolutely be the best day on set. I was very, I was looking very closely at the dogs in the background, chasing Jean, trying to see if like, perhaps some of them were like duplicated and maybe, yeah, I was going to say 10 dogs that they had like multiplied in post, but like, yeah, I didn't notice it. So either they did it really well or there were 30 effing dogs wow okay
1: so good on them for committing to the dog verisimilitude verisimilitude putting almost three dozen dogs out there but yeah only gene right would like get his ass torn asunder by the dogs and he walks out almost cartoon like with like a whole laden jacket uh, onto the this like outside a waffle house and Uh has this being followed
0: by a tiny yorkie
1: Oh, it was so cute uh but to have this you know beg this girl to call him quote an internet taxi <laughs> yeah. and then barry is like he would have escaped but barry happens to be driving around the corner and this girl's like oh i think that's him and i i laughed out loud when gene waves down the car Sees it's Barry and screams and starts yeah. running away. It was fantastic oh, comedy work from Henry Winkler. It
0: was so good. Yes. And then um, Barry gets hit by another car. He gets um, like by another car. Yeah. Um, like hit in a way that was like he, his front driver's side got hit. Like that's not something that you can just walk away from. But Barry does manage to walk away from it so gene um you know runs and eventually makes it to his house and he walks in the door and he tells uh leo to call the police um but then he walks in and sees that barry is conveniently sitting on his couch with leo and gordon yeah so you have to wonder how barry was able to somehow escape this right
1: like did he just immediately drive away and flee the scene it's a good question i mean we had everything happen with the ronnie lily episode that he was pretty much able to easily recover from despite the fact that he got stabbed in the back (laughs) so like i there is a little bit of throwing out the rules of reality on this show with like how easily is barry able to recover he's gone through several cars at this right at this rate right some have been shot up some have been blown up so it's clear that barry is just able to fly through everything to get what he wants. And what he wants right now is for Mr. Cousineau to tell him that he loves him and mean it.
0: Yeah. I mean, he also wants to tell Mr. Cousineau, Hey, I did get you a part. So like, Hey, congrats. You don't have to die.
1: Yeah. Which it's again, very malicious, right. For, for him to be like, but you don't understand. He shouldn't have run away from me because I got you the part. So everything is fine now. And in case it isn't, I'm going to choke the shit out of your little grandson. Uh, it's just like, clearly he is at the end of his rope, but this rope has been like very much unbraided at this oh, yeah, point. This is
0: a very frayed rope. Um, this might just be like a, a a pile of spaghetti, similar to the spaghetti that apparently the plain kids meal, spaghetti that apparently he eats.
1: Listen, I can't argue much. My favorite, food is spaghetti bolognese but like i'd be fine with plain spaghetti <laughs> i would personally ask for some type of protein to go with it so Barry's a little bit more of a literal meat and potatoes guy than i am what did you make of that by the way we'll, we'll get to the sally stuff next but <laughs> barry's dinner of champions is spaghetti plain spaghetti nothing in it a donut a donut and a beer
0: yeah a, a butt heavy in fact um yeah i was not uh At first, I did not clock in that the spaghetti was for Barry. Um, I thought that that was a Sally meal, and like this woman is so white bread that like I could see it from her. I mean, Barry is also like pretty white bread, generic Zach style. Um, But you know, the plain spaghetti and a donut and a beer—like none of those foods go together, if you ask me.
1: No, it it seems pretty gross. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.
0: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator.
1: Everyone's palms are sweaty on the set of Joplin <laughs> for many reasons. So uh, things are closing in for Sally. And what is so interesting about Sally this episode is gives me a completely different perspective on her. And that's the point, I think, both externally and internally. I think we very much thought that the Sally Barry relationship was that she was kind of aloof and self-centered and almost maybe using Barry. Uh, just a sort of like an emotional crutch to complain about things when, when, you know, uh, she's, she's not happy with certain ways, but it seems like at least maybe of the past six months, history is repeating itself in Mm -hmm. a certain way. And she finds herself falling into patterns that she wished she was not repeating.
0: Yeah. And, you know, this is, of course, uh, reflected in the plot of whatever episode of Joplin that they're rewriting this week. But um, yeah, um, Sally appears to be stuck in another potentially abusive relationship, and it makes me very uncomfortable. Very much so. And and that's the
1: point. And it, it makes me feel, you know, really terribly sad for the character because of just the hypocrisy of it all, right? Of, um, this is the message you're trying to put forward, but look at your own home, uh, which I think is going to be certainly a lingering thread that I would imagine gets woven throughout the Joplin set, especially as the pressure mounts. I mean, let's talk about the the first scene proper, the Barry-Sally scene that takes place in the Joplin quote-unquote writer's room, though it seems like they just have like one writer and Sally seems to be the writer's room for the show.
0: Yeah, um, my uh, thinking was that it was just kind of A, like, Sally grabbed one writer on, you know, in the middle of something else and was just like, hey, let's work on this little thing. But I would think that a, like, network production show would have more than one writer plus a showrunner. Yeah, I'm not sure, because we know
1: that, again, like, they're, I guess it's on the schedule, right? It's going to be premiering next week. So, like, yeah, you'd think there'd be more than two people. Maybe Sally just wanted a smaller writer's room I did love the meta aspect, though. The entire breakdown of that's not how people actually talk. They don't speak in well-voiced arguments. Uh, Cue the writer responding in a very well-voiced, non-reality sounding argument. And then lampshading Barry. And I think, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. Sally's character in particular by being like, okay, just throw some ums in there. And I think people will think it's more realistic.
0: Yeah, I mean, as somebody who uh, uses a lot of ums in her speech that I'm already trying to work on, um, that was very funny to me as well. Uh, there's there's definitely um, a lot going on there. I mean, the fact that um, Katie, the, the girl that uh, Elsie Fisher is playing, uh, who then plays Chloe on the show is there just sitting there also like watching Sally rewrite this? Um, Like why, why exactly was she there uh, except just to witness it? I, I think
1: that's what it is. I think the, the, what I gleaned from the previous episode is that it's very much this idea of she's young. And I think Sally would invite the opportunity to be like, okay, I want to have you underneath my wing, right? I want to inspire the next generation. So like, yeah, you can follow me around the set. You can sit down in writer's rooms.
0: It seems like she has her own sense of what she wants to write about as well. Oh, yeah. I love that she's writing a show that's a coming-of-age story in space.
1: I mean, it fits in perfectly with like the 2022 vibe, right? Like, what's mm-hmm. a sci? what are sci-fi shows if not breaking down humanity to its core nowadays? Yes. So... That's that's interesting, and I think there's certainly a reason also why they decided to keep her in that room. And in comes Barry, and oh my god, this is just incredibly intense. Like, he comes in wide-eyed. Up, okay, here's the plan. You're going to give Mr. Kusineau a part on your show. And Sally says, yeah, I, I did that, and I got pushed back from the network. And Barry just gets more and more unraveled until he starts slapping his head And grunting at her, if I don't do this, I don't live. And she backs her up into a corner. And you actually see, like, the writer gets up and runs away. That is how frightening it is to be in that office.
0: Yeah. um, Katie Harris also, like, basically kind of turns into a little armadillo. Like, just really curls into a tiny ball. Makes herself small. I mean, this is an incredibly uncomfortable situation to witness as you know, just a third-party viewer of a television show, but let alone to, like, put yourself in the room. I mean, like, I, I don't know that I personally would be able to, like, even gather up the courage to, like, physically run out of the room like this writer did.
1: Yeah, so what's really interesting is uh, I was reading up on, like, some behind-the-scenes stuff from this, and Bill Hader and Alec Berg, you know, wrote this, And originally, it was a little bit tamer, Uh, like originally, originally, there were actually going to be scenes where it's just them talking through text instead of him going to visit her. But even when they confronted her in person, uh, apparently, it was met with like, uh, laughter from uh, from a test screener of like, Mm. oh, this is so funny. This is so absurd. And, you know, Bill Hader realized that maybe it was a bit more absurd and a little bit more comedic uh, than he wanted it to be. And so they touched it up a bit and decided to go a bit more intense, a bit more dark and a bit angrier, most so. And I think that sticks a lot more where, you know, it, it doesn't hang with you as much if you don't see the abuse happening. Uh, if you take it more so as just like, oh, Barry's being a goofball, hitting himself, uh, you know, making these ridiculous propositions, then it doesn't hang around with you as much as like, he got legitimately scary and like, physically, not threatened, but at least like, you know, puffed himself up in front of Sally that could have really hinted something gruesome happening next.
0: Yeah, I mean, as a small woman, I I would pin this as threatening. Um like, I do think that he physically threatened her, um, whether, you know, he, you know, laid a hand on her or not. Like, the act of pushing a woman towards a wall and then, like, you know, lording your body over hers, like, that that act in itself is incredibly threatening. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, this is terrifying. And it's also, I mean as, you know, as a viewer who's rooting for Barry, also, like, really troubling for a number of reasons, but also, like, he's being a little, he's being a little sloppy, as I, you know, kind of said earlier, like, to say, like, I don't live, this is literally my life, this is life and death, like, that, those aren't really appropriate statements, and, It makes me think that Katie is going to start potentially untying this spaghetti thread and, um, you know, not just trying to report, um, you know, Barry's threatening behavior, but also, you know, bringing up what he said as being very suspect.
1: Yeah, because that's the thing. If anybody starts sniffing around them, you can very easily say, oh, yeah, well, he went into the office and like physically threatened her. And that just draws a big red underline under Mm -hmm. him as a possible suspect for anything. I mean, it's an interesting place where we leave things on the Joplin set. So the premiere is getting bumped up because there is a comedic show of the same name, Pam, Uh, I like how that I'm assuming that's inspired by, of course, the much bereaved show, Rob, which was the Rob Schneider CBS show, which had an exclamation point on it uh, just for emphasis, where it's essentially taking the same story, but making it comedic. And so now, I mean, I don't know how many episodes they have filmed, but like they have to get it done next week. We we saw from the brief promo for next week that that this is going to be the press junket that Sally is going to go on. I'm imagining it's not going to go very well considering that she has difficulty even memorizing her lines. I think sticking to this proverbial script is not going to go well.
0: Yeah, and especially considering the line that she couldn't remember was that I don't want you to make the same mistakes as I did. Like, the line that seemed very obvious to be next, um, if, you know, if you're asking me, uh, a professional writer and actor, me. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, this is... Gonna be interesting for Sally. I mean, you can tell she's not in a good place. I mean, especially given her past, but also, you know. I think we're going to probably dive a little bit deeper into whatever all of the text messages that she's sending were. I mean, she, you know, mentions kind of sending a little bit of like a tirade of texts and, you know, we don't really know the tone of that, but we know that Sally is kind of going into her old patterns of apologizing to, um, to her abuser. So, um, you know, I think it's going to be, It's going to be rough, uh, I think, to watch Sally go through this again, um, potentially, knowing uh, what happened last season and and what had happened before we uh, enter her life in the beginning of this show. Um, But yeah, I think, um, you know, her not wanting to prepare for a press junket also is just, frankly, very unprofessional, but it's not up to me.
1: Yeah. To be like, all right, I have to leave this preparation to go home and get my man I have his- to pick
0: up spaghetti. Yeah. yeah.
1: For his beer and donut. It's really interesting because I think it'll be an opportunity for Sally to jut up against the conflict she had last season of the, this isn't what I did, but it's what I wanted to do. Now it's almost the opposite of like, now, how am I putting forward what I wanted to do? If what I'm actually doing is very much against that. And what I really loved about the turn, this episode is in that scene When she is threatened, like, she does seem to have some teeth, at least in the moment, right? Like, she doesn't tell Barry, okay, don't worry about it, I'll be able to get him apart. She did say, like, nope, I did it before, it's not happening, N-O, get out. But it really is softened thereafter when she makes the dinner and she calls Barry, right? And she is so, like, apologetic, but also needing that verification from him of like, oh, did you get all my text messages before? I would imagine if we find about those text messages, the tone is very much the, I'm so sorry, I shouldn't have done Mm -hmm. that. Uh, You know, it was my fault when really it wasn't her fault. And so, yeah, it's, it's really falling into bad familiar patterns, which, listen, are tough to break, but at the same time, really tough to watch when you are creating, like, your life's work. And this life's work is putting forward the exact opposite point that you're making in your real life
0: yeah um sally is fairly decent at setting boundaries at work i guess whether they're also like a little over firm like that i just want something that's not blue Mm -hmm. from last episode um but she is not great with boundaries in her personal life
1: yeah so uh let's you know stay away from that i do agree that another thing also that's a, that's an interesting commentary on the entertainment industry in my opinion is you know uh is is when the young girl does say like hey we should bring this up with somebody and this is idea of like well was there physical evidence that you know mm-hmm. he ended up doing something did he do anything is he part of the show then we can't do anything about it it's this idea of like well you can't really do anything unless you have x y and z especially in this town where it's you know Happening to someone who's incredibly important. And as long as she signs off on it, it's okay. Which is, God, so sickening. But that is the way the world works, especially nowadays.
0: Yeah, and the writer saying, like, I just really like my job and I don't want to lose it. Like, yeah, Rough. Very rough.
1: Yeah, it's a rough reality, right? Where you have to worry about the safety of your own job versus, like, doing the objectively good thing. And trying to report uh, a relationship that might be abusive for a party in question. It sucks. It absolutely sucks.
0: Society is broken, Mike. Well, speaking of broken, (laughs) let's
1: talk about the fractured love of Hank and Cristobal here. As the plot thickens, man. That ship has sunk. Right now, at least the way we end things, R.I.P. That was a short-lived romance for the two of them. It
0: was, and I mean, Hank's heart is broken. Crystal Ball's heart is broken. My heart is broken. Um, I, I can't believe that we are watching the two of them break up so soon. I only hope that this is going to be a little bit of a will-they-won't-they they and we'll see them back together again.
1: I would love that if we turned this, you know, bloodthirsty gang warfare story into West Side Story. like I would love it. I would absolutely love it and I would love the inversion of that considering how much they sort of play up violence to turn it into this over-the-top same-sex romantic story, I think would be an absolutely incredible subversion.
0: Oh yeah, it would be so great. Um, Yeah, I mean, this is this is like a very interesting plot line, right? So like, we learn in this episode that Cristobal has a family back home in Bolivia. And we're talking family,
1: family, like his father-in-law is part of the big ass convoy that ends up disrupting the
0: limonada trip uh, and that he has a wife and children at home. Wife and children. And, um, you know, his father-in-law, the head of this whole Bolivian crime syndicate, just wants him to come home to his family. And seemingly will do absolutely anything to get that happen. Um, I mean, he literally brings an entire militia from Bolivia on a plane. Um, I hope they didn't fly coach. I don't know. Maybe they flew in one of those planes, like the one that Cristobal himself arrived in at the end of season one. Yes. Maybe they have, yeah, their own private prop plane.
1: Yeah. I mean, Cristobal did not like that plane from the first time we saw him, but like, I would imagine they still use that airstrip as long as it was, heavily fortified, but yeah, I mean, the the storyline with him this episode is basically just trying to protect Hank in particular, uh, in the case, mm-hmm. this case, tipping them off about the raid they're going to make on the, the plant place, which involves them doing one of those tourist trap Tours of LA on the top of the double decker bus, which I loved how into it they were.
0: Oh my God. Yes. Akmal, especially, was living for this double decker bus experience. He was so excited to just see a blow up dinosaur on the top of some building. Oh my God, dinosaur Jurassic Park. So the question is you know, as Hank talked about, they did kill some of my buddies too. We only saw four of them on the top. Are are those all that's left of the Checha mob those are the only ones that are left yeah so that was established last episode so it's just Hank, Batir, Akmal, and Kazam oh my god yeah I, I did yeah. not think it'd be that that small
1: but I guess you have to remember the shooting spree that Barry did indeed go on
0: yeah and potentially there were more but then they went back to Chechnya with Fuchs mm, um, that's true Yeah. But, uh, but it is established that these are the only four that survived, um, in LA at least. So, yeah, I mean, Fernando and Cristobal are, you know, trying to take out the, the greenhouse and, um, we get this like really great raid situation as previously mentioned, um, in front of the girl with the bad date with the guy who drank milk at dinner, um, It was really intense. Like I was, I was seriously worried for Hank. And then we of course get the reveal that Cristobal tipped them off by text. But did you happen to notice who in his phone he texted?
1: I'm, oh, as in
0: like Hank's display name? Yes. Oh no, I did not. Yeah, so um Hank is in Cristobal's phone as Lorelai and the vice versa as Luke. Oh, so, oh yeah. Look at this. Yeah, so I know you're a bit of a gilly guy. So how a little bit, yeah. Yeah. So your your face right now is I'm living for it. That is amazing. I didn't even realize
1: that. Of course they would connect over that. I'm happy that they didn't go with like the Rory slash Dean. Uh, of it all like did, don't go with that I mean the Luke Lorelei stuff can be sorted at sometimes hopefully I mean actually uh, much like Luke didn't Cristobal also has you know some kids that he didn't necessarily want to bring to light until now so maybe it is frighteningly similar to that Gilmore girl storyline
0: sure yes and um, I have not watched a single episode of <laughs> oh okay of yeah <laughs> uh, it's, it's fun it's it's
1: enjoyable uh, definitely definitely worth your time to check out at least like a good heft of episodes but I does mean, it listen, hold
0: up more than the man show?
1: Oh, I mean, definitely. It does not end with <laughs> girls jumping on trampolines in slow motion like the man show did at the end of every episode.
0: Not a good look. It's uh, it's good for Batir to point out that the man show does not hold up.
1: I love the woke Chechens. Like, I thought Hank yes. was just the first one, but, like, I love the mention of that there. I mean... It is very valid, considering that after Adam Carolla and Jimmy Kimmel left, the two guys that took it over were Joe Rogan and one of the guys from Girls Gone Wild. Like, talk about wow. things that did not age gracefully.
0: Wow, 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 wow. I did not know that there was a second coming of the Man show. That is a hell of a hosting panel in not a great way. Yeah, it was uh they you know, listen, money talks. They
1: said, okay, they're leaving, but let's try to do it again. Did not fare as well. But yeah, I'm definitely team uh Mancho could stay in the, the Disney vault proverbially as it yeah. were. Yeah.
0: So we're we're of course always team Hank and Batir.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially in this instance as poor Hank, poor Enriquito gets his heart broken here as Crystal Ball basically does like the whole, you know, Harry and the Hendersons thing, right? Of like, I have to hurt you so you do not get physically hurt later on. I'm hurting you to protect you later. Uh, Of I don't want you getting close to me because then you're going to get killed. Now, we sort of still have a bit of a pause on this entire situation where I would imagine the Bolivians still want to take out the Chechens. But at the moment right now, Cristobal is like, there's a very good chance I get sent back to Bolivia. And there's also a very good chance that you get killed, And I want to prevent, you know, at least one disaster from happening here.
0: Yeah, it's really heartbreaking. I mean, to see them, you know, I mean, like knowing that essentially, right, like you said, Fernando is still going to go after the four remaining Chechens. Like, it doesn't look good. I think, you know, as much as Cristobal is trying to protect Hank, he's also a little bit trying to protect himself. I think if Fernando finds out that Cristobal and Hank were together, I think that's lights out for Cristobal. I don't think that has any, you know, there's no way that if Fernando finds out about that, that Cristobal is leaving Los Angeles alive. Yeah. That's a
1: very good point that obviously for many reasons, considering that this is his father-in-law as well, that this would be a direct shot across the bow at this man's own daughter and grandchildren that is a cruising for a bruising, if I ever heard one. So it should be interesting. You know, obviously this will influence Hank's mood moving forward. We know that he is a guy to wear his heart on his sleeve. It seems like nobody else, none of the other Chechen quartet knew this was happening, right? He had given that cover story probably a thousand times about going out to the Redlands to go drop off the heroin plants, just business with, with Ball. So I would imagine... He's gonna be a sad sack, and maybe the Chechens won't necessarily put two and two together, but we're gonna see a different version of Hank, I would imagine. Yeah.
0: We've only ever seen Chip or Hank, and I I can't imagine no-how Hank in any other way. And I hate that we're gonna have to see it.
1: Now the question is Barry last episode went to Hank desperate for work. And Hank said, basically, like, you know, you have to seek forgiveness out. You have to work for it. Is Hank now saying any port in a storm? Barry, come back into my life, baby. I need your help defending us from these Bolivians.
0: I mean, that would be one way to get Barry and Hank back together. Um, I could also see it in the, you know, Hank is heartbroken. And he previously had this little puppy dog crush on Han- on uh, on Barry. Also, Hmm. potentially, um, I I don't know how that would play out, um, but I would like to see it, yeah. I, I do think we're gonna get the merging of
1: those two in some way. It just seems like right now Hank is now in the position where that he wants Barry, whereas last time Barry encountered Hank when he was like at his happiest and didn't necessarily need this catalyst. Now he does, he wants to change things up again. So, I'm going to imagine. As soon as maybe next episode, Barry and Hank are going to come back together and make some mischief.
0: Yeah, um, I definitely, I mean, I miss Barry and Hank together. So however we can get them back together, I mean, I hate that it has to have Hank being heartbroken, but um, if it's required to get them back together, I suppose I'll take it.
1: All right, Deidre, any other sips you want to take of this limonada? Any other stuff you want to mention about this episode before we look ahead to next week?
0: Should we... Should we mention the uh, shirtless uh, dance party at the Bolivian Airbnb? Oh, yeah. The Bolivians certainly
1: have a way of celebrating uh, just generally being there. Like, they didn't do anything. They touched down on American soil, soil and I guess that means- This was por- wild. Yeah. It was odd. It was a little bit of like a frat bro culture going on in Bolivia, which is maybe why uh, some of like Cristobal's activities might have just been like swept under the rug by you know the Bolivians. It's like, oh, listen, that happens. We all love each other in Bolivia.
0: Yeah, I I think that this you know seemingly very out of context slow motion shirtless homoerotic dancing scene is going to somehow come back. And become relevant somehow. Huh. There's n- I, I think that this is not a throwaway. This show does not do throwaways. Um, I mean, this episode, we got a few where, you know, like the random lesbian couple breaking up because one of them has too many dogs, but like it was plot relevant. So I think, you know, it hasn't come into relevance yet beyond just Cristobal staring at uh, half naked men. I think somehow this is going to become relevant. How? I'm not entirely sure, but. Okay. All right. Deidre is planting her flag here. Half naked Bolivians. Planting my flag on half naked Bolivians. Yes.
1: They are going to appear. And, you know, some people might be, uh, you know, uh, putting up certain flags after watching those Bolivian men dance around. But we shall see if that flag comes to fruition later on in the season. Next episode. Again, continuing with the lowercase trends, uh, it's just called Ben Mendelsohn.
0: Yeah, the actor Ben Mendelsohn, who I definitely heard about before today when I googled his name. He probably
1: he's most well known for a uh, Bloodline, which was the Netflix show about a family. He won a, at least one Emmy award for that. Uh, he plays Talos, which is uh, one of the scrolls in the main scroll. I would say so far in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So. He is certainly one of those guys. I would say probably a bit more of a household name back in like the the late 2010s than maybe now.
0: I mean, his entire IMDb page is absolutely nothing I have seen. Like, I have not seen the Batman movie that he was in. I have not seen Ready Player One, uh, the Star Wars movies that he's in. Like, I mm-hmm. there is not one thing. On this man's IMDB that I have seen. Well, next week we might find out a little bit more about him, though. Who knows? Like,
1: Forgiving Jeff and Limonada both apply to the episode, but I would say in fairly minuscule ways compared to the actual main point of the episode. So this might just be like, A throwaway line about needing a ben mendelson type and they decided to call it that episode it's almost like they're using the code names for the episodes for the actual episode titles
0: yeah i mean if ben mendelson is our frozen donkey wheel um i'm looking forward to finding out what that means
1: exactly listen it's a bloodline maybe there's something going on with leo Who's to say? Maybe Barry has a brother? Mm. I'm not sure. Maybe the code is right there. We have a week to figure it out. But Deidre and I will be back once again next Monday to break it all down. Of course, if you have any feedback for us, uh, you can write in Mike at PostureRecaps.com. Or if you're a patron, especially at the $10 level, you get access to the Potion Recaps patron discord and a little Barry specific thread where we are posting our thoughts, our immediate reactions, and sometimes our questions and feedback. Like Deidre spoke about uh, the great no ho jank comment
0: about Barry. Uh, Was there any other feedback or questions to get to Deidre from the listeners? No other feedback from the listeners, but I did want to bring up a completely uh, random observation that I had earlier. So um, I was Googling a little bit um, while watching the episode and in the very first scene, when Barry is getting burgers and shakes for Gene, who's in the trunk, mm-hmm. um, Barry is at a restaurant called Monta. Yeah, and I googled this, and this is actually so they do not have burgers and shakes. Um, they liars. Sell, I know. I honestly, I would have thought that the set dressing would have been a little bit more. Um, you know,
1: I don't know. I I looked like that board looked incredibly. Like clinical and a little jank. Like it was super minimalistic.
0: I mean, it's minimalistic because literally the only thing that they make is Monty dumplings. So, this is an Armenian family business that they do wholesale and retail sale of Armenian Monty dumplings. And I mean, look, I, there are a lot of Armenians in Los Angeles. I think it was an interesting, you know, concept for them to be going to this Monty restaurant. Um, I liked seeing the pictures of the restaurant when I Googled it. Um, Their menu looks delicious as as much as it's literally just dumplings and a a couple of like side dishes. Um, But I mean, we've got all of these Chechens in, this show like i thought it would have been an interesting nod if they would have just you know let it be a monty purchase but of course no burgers and shakes for gene in the trunk yeah
1: exactly maybe it was a personal request from gene and so they had to make over the entire restaurant in his honor that's just how much of a stickler gene is lest he called the ceo a donkey witch so Hopefully you've been enjoying taking a bite out of berry season three so far, like the two of us had, whether it be a burger, a dumpling, etc. Uh, if you haven't yet, we have a berry-only podcast feed that you can subscribe to at PoShowrecaps.com/slash berry pod. And while you're there, if you want to leave your ratings and reviews, that would be very much appreciated. Anyone who does, we will genuinely say I love you and you won't have to ask us to say it again because we will absolutely mean it. But any reviews that you leave, especially early on in the season, while people are probably looking for Barry podcasts are very much appreciated. Of course you can follow us on social media. Deidre, how can people catch up with what you're doing in and out of the post recaps patron discord?
0: Yeah. Well, uh, as, as people are, you know, looking for a place to talk on social media, that's not Twitter. Uh, come to us on Discord. But also if you still want to use Twitter, um, you can tweet me at DHLips. Um, I'm there, not very often. Um, But you can tweet me there, and I will receive your tweet. And we will (laughs) bring it up on the podcast. Um, So yeah, say that you love us, and say it again, please.
1: Yes, it will be acknowledged by Deidre in some way, shape, or form. That's a good, the good promotion though. Like, if you tweet me, you'll have to listen to the podcast to see if I saw it. It's a fun little get your foot in the door. Uh, you can follow me, of course, at a Mike Bloom type. Check out all the other stuff going on on Show Recaps, as well as our HBO show recap feed in particular. Uh, Winning Time is still going with some stuff. The flight attendant as well, and the staircase is just launching. Yes. That staircase, uh, the infamous criminal case from the 2000s with Michael and Kathleen Peterson is now making its return in a, uh, a limited series, I believe, on HBO that Ariel and Marissa uh, are resident like there usually are fraud spurts, but I guess maybe this
0: is just like high profile liars. Perhaps would be a good way to yeah, find the genre. The fraud this time is about murder. Yeah. Um, I'm very excited for the, the staircase. I mean, I really enjoy this case, um, I really enjoy this cast. And I really enjoy Ariel and Marissa podcasts. So I'm very hype for what's coming to the HBO pod feed. Yeah,
1: So there's a lot of stuff going on there. In addition to, of course, coverage of a severance is still going strong. Better call Saul, the final season. All bunch of things going on on Post Show Recaps. Too much to list, so make sure you're subscribed. And look, it is still the beginning of the month. It's May 2nd on the time we are posting this. If you are so kind to have the means and ways to uh, support us on Post Show Recaps Patreon, patreon.com slash Post Show Recaps, that would be fantastic. Even at the $5 level, you get access to a bunch of podcasts as well as early access podcasts to things like community building and down the hatch. $10, you get access to that oh so sweet Discord 15 bucks, merch, and so much more. So hopefully, if you have the means to do so, any support would be greatly appreciated, even if it's just a nice rating and review for the berry Pod. Anyway, that's going to do it this week. I'm very thirsty, so I'm going to go walk across the street for some quality limonada. I will look both ways before I cross, lest any Bolivians get in my path. Next week, Deidre and I are going to be covering Ben Mendelssohn as we'll see where the hell this season is going from here. Until then, take care. Bye-bye and see you.